0: It was interesting hearing uh, Tony's prayer and agreeing with his prayer, which was all about the heart, because he had no idea that I was starting a little series here. And I kind of rotate series and I kind of do some in between series so I can let him breathe a little bit. So it's not all in one topic for two, three months. But this is a devotional uh, series that I think you'll be really excited about. And it's basically uh, a lot of application to our lives, a lot of uh, devotional. Uh, aspects in this series of messages for our walks and I want to talk about what the scripture is talking about guarding our hearts and the Bible talks about the heart gate and how that's the essence of who you are is who you choose to be in your inner person in your spirit in your heart in your mind and the scriptures talk about various different gates gateways to the heart that we need to protect so I want to encourage you as we get in the word now to really say, hey, where am I at with the Lord, you know? How many of you remember Steve Irwin from Animal Planet, crocodile guy, amen? Uh, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter, Uh, he's probably the most well-known outdoorsman ever now, because of his style, this Australian guy, wild-eyed guy who uh, you know usually would hear him say something like, you know, this is the deadliest snake in the world. And then all of a sudden, as he says that, he would run after and pounce on it and grab it, you know. And you expected him, if he was to die, to die from the fangs of a poisonous snake, or maybe to be crushed by a Nile crocodile, which has the strongest jaws on the planet, 5,000 pounds per per square inch, something of that nature. But Steve Irwin didn't die that way. And by the way, Steve Irwin, as crazy as he seemed at times, and uh, he actually w- always was very, very prepared. Always tried to be very, very wise about uh, the way he treated animals. Tried to treat them with care, and he also tried to make sure he wasn't going to be bit. He got bit a few times. But if you expected to die, it'd be either crushed by a crocodile or bit by a poisonous snake. But the interesting thing about him dying. Was the lack of care number one, the suddenness of his death number two, and number three, the kind of animal that killed him, totally unexpected. He was killed by a stingray. He was swimming in the water above a stingray, and he left his self vulnerable as he swam over this stingray because a stingray. According to an eyewitness, there was a there was a boat and a crew on the boat, and there was an eyewitness that saw it actually happen. Uh, it's the only stingray death that took place by murder of a stingray that's caught on video I don't think they produced a video but hundreds of times in a matter of seconds the stingray took its barbed tail its serrated tail and stabbed him in the heart over and over again and uh, poor Steve Irwin you know he was uh he bled out bled to death they tried CPR they took him to a medical facility nearby and uh no, he was gone you know he died So uh, what's interesting, with all his precautions and all the animals that he faced, crocodiles and poisonous snakes and wild beasts, it was a stingray that killed him, and it killed him because his heart wasn't protected. And there's a huge lesson for us there, spiritually speaking, because literally millions of people put their seatbelts on, they exercise, they diet, they try to take care of their bodies, and they lock their doors at night. And they make sure they have, hopefully, enough money to pay their bills. They take all kinds of precautions so that they can be successful in life. But guess what? Millions of people die of heart problems. And I'm not talking about heart problems physically, though that's true as well. I'm talking about spiritually. Because they fail. They do everything else. They think they're successful in life. But they fail to guard their hearts. If Steve Irwin had had some kind of breastplate upon him as he swam in shallow water over the stingray, he would probably be with us today, right? If millions of people had guarded their hearts as the scriptures warn, they would be with us spiritually perhaps today. We have to guard our hearts, amen? You have to guard your heart. In fact, it's vital that you guard your hearts. The scriptures talk about how our hearts are being tested. A lot of times, usually, almost always, when I do a message, it's not what to bring into my message, it's what to keep out of my message. And for this particular message, I had a whole section on how the Lord will test our hearts. And I thought, I'm going to put that off for another part of this series, Lord willing. Because I didn't want to have your brain endure more than your seat can endure, Okay. And I want to make sure you leave with really thinking about this and the things I want to emphasize in this first session in this series. Now, it's interesting because are you guarding your heart? I mean, that's something that is so vital to us. If you can, please turn to Proverbs chapter 20, or chapter 4, I should say. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Now, this is vitally important, this subject matter. You know why? Because Jesus said in the last days, the Apostle Paul declared it. The Apostle Peter declared it that there would be apostasy. Peter said that scoffers would arise arise and mockers, you see, walking after their own lust. Paul says in the last days, terrible times would come. King James, perilous times will come. Amen. Jesus said in the last days, he said that lawlessness would increase, right, and the love of the many would what grow cold. Hearts would grow cold. And I think it's very interesting. I do not think it's an accident because it's right after he said lawlessness would increase. The very next verse is, the hearts of many would grow cold. And in the Greek, it's not the hearts of some. It's the hearts of many. It's not the hearts of the uh, or many, just many, but it's the many. Ha, ho, the uh, definite article in the Greek, the many. The majority of people's hearts would grow cold. In the context of an increase of lawlessness, are we seeing that in our world today? And isn't it incredible that as we're seeing an increase of lawlessness, many socialists are calling for the defunding of law. Lawkeepers, right? Uh, law enforcement. And this is a recipe for absolute disaster. and I'm all for, personally, I'm very strongly for police reform for criminal reform and so forth. I think uh, laws need to be uh, uh, balanced across the books and everything else, and there needs to be uh, justice. However, the way you do it is not by taking all the money from the police and letting more lawlessness increase. But as this lawlessness increases, people can end up getting really ticked off, getting really angry. Why aren't the, why aren't, why, why, why? And all of a sudden, the heart can grow cold And you have to be careful in your heart right now to make sure that you do not allow your heart to grow cold in the midst of all the darkness and the lawlessness that is increasing. Because when you defund the police, it will increase even more, okay? Typically, and that's what we're actually seeing right now. And I want to encourage you right now to watch your heart. Watch your heart says in the book of Jude, keep yourselves in the love of God. I love Jude because he has this play on keeping. God's able to keep us, amen? But we're also called to keep ourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord at his return, amen? Jesus warned about those who had left their first love. You have to make sure your heart stays in love with Jesus, okay? In fact, look at verse 23. Verse 23 Watch over your heart with what? All diligence. Watch over your heart with all diligence. Does it say watch over your heart with some diligence? All diligence. For from it flow what? For from it flow the springs of life. For from it flow the springs of life. Now, the heart here is associated with other gates. You have to watch over diligence. You have to watch your heart. That it doesn't become bitter. That it doesn't become full of hatred, full of malice, full of lust, full of wickedness. You have to make sure that your heart is pure before the Lord. Because there is a war being waged against you, which we'll talk about in a little bit as well. And we're just talking about the culture we're living in right now. It's very relevant to what's going on in our lives right now, Of uh, these messages. But I think it's fascinating that when you look at these scriptures, the scriptures speak of several gates wherein we must be victorious that are extensions of the heart gate. So the heart gate's the main gate, but out of the heart gate, there are these other extensions of our being, whereby the enemy can try to attack us. In fact, go to verse 20. Go to verse 20. And verse 23 is the verse we're focusing on, but notice a few verses before it and after it. And notice in the heart of this passage is verse 23. But notice verses 20 through 27, it talks about various other gates wherein the enemy would love to cause us to fall. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your what? Ear to my sayings. We have to watch our irrigate, what we allow to come into our hearts, what kind of uh, l- things we listen to. Do we listen to raunchy music? You know, there's two different studies that were done by different universities that showed that the more secular music people listen to, the more they're prone to promiscuity. The Bible says godly, uh, ungodly chatter leads to more ungodliness. So, of course, watching the irrigate. Verse 21, do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them from your what? From your sight. There's the eye gate. Keeping his word before you. Don't let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your what? Heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to their body. Watch over your heart with all diligence from it. For from it flow the springs of life. Verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth. There's So we've looked at the ear gate. The eye gate, now here's the mouth gate, and put devious speech far from you. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Look how many people Hitler killed. Over 50 million people were killed in World War II because of that guy's demonically inspired tongue. The Bible says a tongue could be inspired from hell, James chapter 3. There's, the, there's a mouth gate verse 25 let your eyes look directly there's the eyes again look directly ahead of you and let your gaze be fixed straight in front of you watch the path of your feet there's the foot gate where you go and all your ways will be established do not turn to the right nor to the left turn your foot from evil we're going to be talking about each of those gates not today but in this series so I wanted to very I've been praying about a devotional series that just really hit you where you walk amen where you talk what you listen to, what you look at. How many would agree that hundreds of millions of people perhaps have a problem with what they look at today, i.e. pornography, smut, evil, you know, what they listen to, what they say, where they go, what they do. So we are looking at these various things, guys, because it's so critical that our hearts are right with the Lord. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Now, it's interesting that word watch, you know, I did a little word study on the word watch, you know, and uh, the Hebrew word, "star" S N A S T A R. it's used uh, in Exodus chapter 34, the very first time it's used in Scripture, of God watching over, of him watching over or keeping true to his faithfulness. He makes sure he watches over his promises, his faithfulness to his people. And the Bible says there's not one promise of God, there's not one, I'm sorry, prophecy of the Lord that ever fell to the ground. You know, there's people that failed him, and then there's consequences to being unfaithful to him. But he is faithful, amen? So he watches over. But I think it's very interesting because this word that means to be watchful of our hearts, to watch, is used to guard, used, it's used also as a military word, to guard or to besiege a city in Isaiah 8.1 or 1, eight, I should say. The active participle is used to denote a watchman. A watchman that watches for instance over a city in 2nd in Kings 17.9 in Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 6. It's used of a watchman. So you're supposed to be like that sentry. You're supposed to be like that soldier on the castle walls who watches over a city. You're supposed to do that with regard first and foremost to your own heart with your own heart. Do you understand that? If a watchman fails to watch over a city, it could be the death of that city, amen? If you fail to watch over your heart, it could be the death spiritually of your heart. If you allow your heart to be corrupted and you turn from your first love and you give yourself over the deceitfulness of sin and you allow your heart to become hardened, all these things that scriptures warn about. So you have to watch your heart. You have to watch your heart. In fact, Ezekiel was a watchman. And the language of a watchman, of a soldier that's a watchman, is used of him, but spiritually, as he was to watch over his people. In Ezekiel 33, 17, 18, he was commissioned to watch over Israel. Son of man, the, the Lord says, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked man, you will surely die, but you do not warn him. Or speak out to warn him from his wicked way to save his life. The wicked man will die in his iniquity, and I will hold you responsible for his blood. So Ezekiel was called to be a watchman that would watch over Israel and warn the wicked that they need to repent of their ways. If he failed to warn them and God put them to death, Ezekiel would be held responsible for their blood. He goes on to say, though, that if he warns the watchman, if he warns the watchman and the watchman fails to repent, he fails to turn, what happens? Guess what? And, I, and the water, I don't need any water. Thank you so much, man. Uh, the watchman, guess what happens? He's, he's clear. He's warned. His responsibility is over. But the person who's been warned, if he fails to repent, guess what happens to him? Let's try to not make phone calls during the service, guys. Uh, I'm just kidding. That was an accident. <laughs> guess what, guys? You're responsible. Guess what? I'm a watchman of sorts. Because that carries in the New Testament. Paul said, I'm free from the condemnation of all men's blood because I've preached the whole counsel of God. And I'm warning you. I'm doing my job. You need to be a watchman over your own heart. Amen? If you fail to be a watchman over your heart, and your heart gets corrupted in these last days, and you're one of the many, the most, the majority, whose love grows cold, it's going to be on you, not on me. And I take no joy in that. Because I don't just warn you because I'm obedient to God, but I love you, and God loves you. And he put this, puts his love in our hearts to warn each other because he cares for our souls, amen? He doesn't want us to go astray. It's imperative that we watch over our own hearts. It's radically imperative. And before Ezekiel could warn others to watch over their hearts, he had to watch over his own heart. When God t- chose Jeremiah as a prophet, he told him that he needed to make sure he was serving the Lord. We need to be careful. We need to make sure we watch our own hearts. And first and foremost, before we can take the speck out of our brother's eye, we have to remove the beam from our own eyes, amen? Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, he said that the Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. But he goes on to say later in that chapter, what, in verse 16, watch your lives and your doctrine, and in so doing you'll save both yourself and those who hear you, amen? So it's imperative that we watch our lives, our behavior. We watch what we're, we, we make sure that we're, our doctrine is scriptural, amen, that we're adhering to scripture no matter what men say. It's like, what does the Lord say, amen? Watch our lives and our doctrines, and so doing, you save yourself and those who hear you, okay? And of course, he means by saving yourself, that means you're going to put yourself in God's hands, amen? You're going to be trusting in him, following him, and allowing his grace to transform you and save you through the true doctrines of salvation by grace through faith. But you're, there's going to be a lifestyle. You're going to be watching your life. You're be watching your doctrine. Now, it's interesting because that means parents, if you're a parent here, you need to, you need to be the watchman for your children. Because there's all kinds of things that will come out their ways. And you know children will eat anything physically that looks good, and they'll watch and listen to anything that seems good so often to them. Amen? You need to be careful. You need to watch them. But before you can successfully watch them, you need to make sure you're watching your, over your own heart. As a grandmother, or a grandfather, or a mother, or a dad? Oh, you say, well, I'm neither of those. Well, guess what? We don't want to be like Cain, who was of the evil one. We are our brother's keepers, amen? amen. If we want to help our brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to watch over our hearts, amen? amen? We need to make sure that we're watching the gates and that we're winning the battle at the gates, whether it's the heart gate, whether it's the eye gate, whether it's the mouth gate, whether it's the ear gate, whether it's the hand gate, whether it's the feet gate. We need to make sure that we're walking with Jesus. We have one life. The Bible says the point of man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. Amen? Amen. So, we want to make sure we live this, right, this life right. And I, I, I remind you all the time, all the time, that our lives are like vapors here today, gone tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Or just talking about how the brevity of our lives to a couple, a brother and sister uh, recently, and we're talking about how I was saying, I like to use the illustration of Christmas. When you get older, when you're young, time seems to just go so slow, right? A week before Christmas, every day seems to take a long time. Oh man, I can't believe it. It Seems like a year, right? But when you are a parent and you're getting ready for Christmas, that last week goes what? Like a blink. Where'd it go? You know. And as you get older and you get older, and brother, was brother Mike was saying, yeah, he's heard the illustration that with every year, you know. uh, How'd that go, Mike? Just remind me real quick, brother. You're up front there you go. Two years old, it goes like two miles an hour. Time. Five years old, five miles an hour. Well, when you hit 35 years old like me, it's like 35 miles an hour, you know? No, he didn't say that. I'm teasing. I haven't said that either. I'm, I'm actually almost double that now. Well, not double. That'd be 70. 57 in September. But you know, it does go really, really fast as you get older. Amen? At least relative to our experience. So it's critical that we recognize we're here for a short time. Why would you allow your heart to be messed up? Stand before God and be condemned and sentenced to hell because you didn't want to have a heart for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Make sure you belong to Jesus. It's huge, and I think it's interesting because we have to watch over our hearts like a, a watchman with all diligence. Okay. In fact, it's interesting. We read in Proverbs twenty five twenty eight if and I think this is important, like a city that is broken into and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. If you don't have any control over your inner person, you might as well be like a city without walls. And what's a city without walls? A city that's ransacked, that's destroyed, that's overcome by the enemy. That's what that is. If you don't have self-control, You don't walk in the fruit of the Spirit, love, peace, joy, long-suffering, gentleness, and part of that is also self-control, it mentions. You're going to be like a city without walls. And Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walk but in vain. Amen. You have to look to the Lord for victory. You have to look to the Lord. Proverbs 16.22 says, He who is slow to anger is better than a warrior, and he who controls his temper is greater than one who captures a city. I love that. It's an interesting contrast. The one who doesn't watch over his heart, doesn't watch over his inner man, doesn't watch over his spirit, doesn't guard it and watch his thoughts and say, nope, that's evil. That's not from the Lord. I cast that down in the name of Jesus. The one who who just lets thoughts in and just runs amok, you're just going to be a playground for the devil, man. You need to take charge and say, no, I'm not going to allow those thoughts in. I'm not going to allow sin to dominate me, Amen? amen? You have to make sure you guard your heart. And if you don't, you're like a city without walls. If you do, you're like a warrior. If you watch over your heart, you're like a warrior that captures a city instead. I want to be the guy that captures a city, not the guy that has my city destroyed. Amen? I want you to be the guy that captures a city, not the guy that allows his city to be destroyed. It's absolutely important. Now, it's interesting because it says in verse 23, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Okay? We looked at what it means to watch a little bit. And he, mentions, and he says, with all diligence or above all else. Meaning there needs to be an emphasis here. In other words, there needs to be a priority. He says, you know what? About seventh or eighth on your list is watching over your heart. Is that what he says? No. Of all, above all else. With all diligence. Amen? Amen. Watch over your hearts. And, that, and guess what? We're all prone to temptation. We're all prone to evil thoughts. Each and every one of us, me, all of us. Then you put thoughts in your head as you're driving, as you're, as you're walking, as you're reading, or whatever. All of a sudden, you ever, did this ever happen to you? It happened to me. All of a sudden, where in the world did that come from? You know, what in the world? I cast that down in the name of Jesus. What in the world? And sometimes it's your flesh. Trying to knock and say, give me a ascendancy in your life again. You have to say no. Take up your cross daily. Amen. Keep your hand to the plow. Crucify yourself daily, the scriptures say. Die to yourself, Jesus said. You have to. Take up your cross daily. Deny yourself. Follow him. Amen? Oftentimes it's the enemy. Knock, knock, hey. And he'll use temptation when you're going through something and you're you're more prone. Maybe someone's mistreated you. Then you typically wouldn't give over to anger. You typically wouldn't give over to bitterness or malice or hatred. But if you're going through something with somebody and you get hurt, then the enemy says he sees an opportunity. Wouldn't you like to see that person dead? You should just hate on that person. You know, I'm not saying it's always that, but it's usually not that strong, right? But he'll come subtly. And before you know it, you're entertaining thoughts. Instead of seeking the Lord and praying and being a witness and being a light and forgiving as you've been forgiven, all of a sudden you find yourself in a place where you shouldn't be. Don't allow that to happen. Amen? Don't allow that to happen. We need to put off all these old things that are associated with the old life. In fact, it's interesting. He says, and I, I think it's powerful, Look at verse 23 again now. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the what? The springs of life. He was a pretty powerful picture here. The springs of life flow from your heart. And the idea there is that your entire life, the outflowing of your entire life is based upon who you decide to be in the Lord, in your heart, or not be in the Lord, in your heart. In fact, some translations have it, the NIV has, for it is the wellspring of life, your heart. It's a wellspring of life. The New King James Version has, for out of it spring the issues of life, the issues of life, the things you face, your issues that come out of the heart. Uh, The CEV says they are the source of true life. The ICB says your thoughts run your life. The Knox's translation, that is the fountain whence life springs. Young's literal translation says, for out of it are the outgoings, of life. I chose these translations because I was trying to find a little bit of diversity that would still capture that thought of your life experiences and the way you go in your life. not talking about the choices, the opportunities, and options that God gives you. I'm talking about the ones you choose and the life course you choose, the path you choose, and the path you decide to go down to is based on who you decide to be in your heart. Now, guess what? All of us, to one degree or, or another, are living out life's experiences right now. Partly on the basis of bad decisions we made before we were believers, right? And joyfully, if you're in Christ, trusting and make everything together, work everything together for the good, for those who love and are called according to His purpose. Now we're being blessed in Him, amen? And even taking the bad things and working for the good of our lives, if we're choosing Jesus. There's a glorious truth there, amen? But if you're not choosing the Lord and your life is just made up of choices that are all about you, and just going with whatever thoughts you want to approve, even when they're contrary to Scripture, well, your life is going to be a cesspool, okay? That's going to be, there's going to be dirty water. I heard about a village in Africa where the villagers were dying, being poisoned to death. And they were dying left and right all over the place and they couldn't find what in the world was going on and how all these villagers were dying. And and all of a sudden they realized the water was poisonous. They were trying to figure out how the water that had fed that village for decades from a spring, how it was poisonous. They went all the way to the mouth of the spring. You know what they found? That the mouth of the spring was coming out of a little cliff area. And a whole family of pigs had slid off that cliff. And their bodies were putrefying right where that fountain was. And the poison from the toxins from those pigs' bodies had moved down the river and were poisoning the villagers. And that's what happens in our heart. When we allow death to reign in our hearts, we poison not only ourselves, but we poison others. The Bible says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up in you. A root. There's a root. It's in the heart. See to it that you're not, you're not supposed to allow it. See to it that no root of bitterness springs up in you that defiles many. Okay? And that's in the context in Hebrews chapter 2, where the verse before that in verse 14, he says, to pursue peace and holiness with all men. We're supposed to pursue peace and holiness. And this isn't, this isn't imputed holiness. We do have imputed holiness through faith in Christ, amen? Imputed righteousness, I should say. But this is a pursued holiness. Pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. If we do not pursue a life of holiness, which is not something we do to obtain salvation, it's the outgrowth of trusting Jesus and the fruit of our salvation, amen? So if we continue to trust Jesus, and we continue to seek his face, and we're saying, Lord, I want peace with you through the cross, praise you, Lord, and we enjoy that peace. And guess what? Temptation comes our way, and we could go to the broad road of destruction. We say, no, I'm going to pursue holiness. I'm going to walk with Jesus. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And the context goes earlier in chapter 12 where he talks about looking to Jesus, often the finish of our faith. He talks about he disciplines us because we're children, amen? And as many as he loves, he rebukes and chastens. he does so, so we will be partakers of his holiness. And he says to allow that holiness to come, amen? To walk the straight path, pick up the arms that are dragging down or hanging, stay on the road, on the race, on the straight and narrow, amen? And you shall live, he says, Then he goes on to say, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. That's a warning. He's warning us to pursue holiness. And then he says, see to it that no root of bitterness springs up in your life that defiles many. So in other words, while you're pursuing holiness, the enemy can sideswipe you. Amen? And cause bitterness to come into your heart. And it's critical that we understand that we are in a war. Now, it's interesting what is he talking about the issues of life the 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 the, the, the fountain of the you know uh, the issues of life uh, the wellspring of life that he's talking about your life reflects what's going on in your heart in fact i love proverbs chapter 27 verse 19 listen to this it says as water reflects the face catch this as water reflects the face and they'd have mirrors like we have today they'd have to either, you know you know, polish some bronze and get a distorted view or they could look in water and get a more crisp view, not quite like our mirrors, but pretty good. As water reflects the face, shows you what the face looks like, so one's life reflects the heart. That's powerful. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. So just as water shows a mirror of your face, your life, the course you're on, is a reflection of, of your heart okay that's why you want to make sure your heart is right that's why you want to make sure you guard your heart above all else not the seventh thing not the ninth thing not the 47th thing number one watch your heart because the greatest of all the commandments is what mark twelve thirty. thou shalt love the lord jesus said this in mark twelve thirty, 30 said thou shalt love the lord thy god with all thy heart with all thy soul with all thy strength with all thy might amen and I like Mark twelve thirty because he mentions four things there. You know, the heart, the soul, the strength, the mind. Everything we are, we're called to love God with it. And we are being tested, right? The Lord says he tests the heart over and over again. Amen? Not that he needs to figure out who we're going to be. He knows what we're going to choose. But everybody else is going to see who we chose to be in preparation for judgment day. Amen? And. We can never say, oh, God, you just did this to me. No, he's let us live out our lives. It's being seen by us. We're making the decisions to either turn to him and his grace and his love and and be saved and, and follow him, or we're turning the other way. And you have a short time. Your probation is short. And it's interesting. We see so often the outgrowth of behavior throughout the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs, when you think about any book in the Bible that speaks of behavior, you think of Proverbs. But you know what? It's Proverbs more than just about any book that mentions the heart being the heart of the issue regarding our behavior. And it talks about the heart of one who loves and fears the Lord often. It talks about hearts that are inclined toward the Lord. Hearts that are blessed in the Lord. In Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, it talks about the trusting heart. In Proverbs 10, 8, it talks about a wise heart. In Proverbs 14, 30 it talks about a, a heart that's at peace, a cheerful and happy heart. In Proverbs 15, 3, a discerning heart. In Proverbs 15, 14, a pure heart. In Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9, on the other hand, the Bible also talks in the book of Proverbs about the heart that is not inclined to the Lord, the heart that doesn't fear the Lord, the heart that doesn't love the Lord. And in, in Proverbs 6.14, it's a deceitful heart. It's a heart that devises wicked schemes in 6.18. It's a lustful heart in 6.25. It's a proud heart in 16.5, an arrogant 21.4, a corrupt heart in Proverbs 17.20, a haughty heart in 18.12, a heart that rages against the Lord in Proverbs 19.3, an evil heart in Proverbs 26.23, a hardened heart in Proverbs chapter 28. Verse 14. So there's a battle for our hearts. You know, I gave a message on why in the world are we still here about a few months ago? Why are we still here? Why did not the Lord just rapture us right now? Well, we've been given the Great Commission, amen? Right? That's one reason. We've got work to do. Number two, he's testing us. And he's making us more like Jesus, amen? He's using the trials we go through to become more Christ-like, Amen. But this is also a test. And I'm not going to get into all those scriptures because I mentioned I'm not going to get into a lot of scriptures that talk about how he's testing us now. I'll give those, probably take 10 minutes, but they take 10 minutes more than I wanted to take in this message. But what I do want to talk about for a moment is how Satan is after your heart. There is a real spiritual battle. Remember in the parable of the sower? We talked about the parable of the sower a few weeks back. We had a few messages, four messages on it, maybe five. And we talked about how the Lord will plant the seed of His Word where, in our hearts. And he, Jesus used the parable of the sower. He used the picture of a of a of a farmer planting seeds, and the birds taking away those seeds before they could germinate. Remember that. And He used that as a picture of how Satan comes and tries to take the seed out of our hearts. In Matthew thirteen nineteen, we read Jesus says, "When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart." There is a battle for our hearts. The Lord sows his word in our hearts. Amen. And we have to recognize that the enemy wants to sift us, man. He wants to get that seed out. In fact, in Luke 22, 31, Jesus warned Peter, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. Amen. And praise the Lord Jesus prayed there that, that uh, Peter's faith would not fail. Amen. And Peter stood that test, but on the same evening that Jesus warned Peter about what Satan was trying to do with him, guess what happened to Judas? John 13, 2 says, and supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart, catch that? See, just like God puts his word in our hearts, the devil puts his words in our hearts, or he attempts to. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Wow. Where what was the battle between God and Satan in the heart? Amen? That's what happened with Job, right? God put in Job's heart to persevere, to trust him, to fear and love him, to surrender to him. Satan wanted to put into his heart what? To curse God and commit suicide. And by the way, Job ends up going and killing himself. He chose I'm sorry, Judas goes and kills himself. He chose the way of the wicked one. A little bit later in church history, in Acts chapter 5, we meet up with a couple named Ananias and Sapphira. And it says all the church was walking in one accord early on. They loved the Lord. They were going forward. But guess what happened? Satan won their hearts. We read in Acts 5.3, Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart? Wow, just like Judas. Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself now that context they could sell their land they didn't have to give it all to the church but they said they were going to give everything to the church and bless the church with all the price that they sold for land and they lied about it and god killed ananias killed sapphira back to back one came in and repeated the lie of the other one why have you lied to the holy spirit you have not lied to man but to god showing that the holy spirit is god by the way and boom their bodies fell one the next one fell they dragged him out and it says the fear of the Lord." Spread throughout the church. Let's let the fear of the Lord spread with, uh, with, within the church, amen? Without having to see that happen, amen? Because we see it happen right here. And say, Lord, we need to be true in our hearts to you. We need to watch the decisions we make, amen? amen. You say, ah, oh, you know what? You know, I'm saved by grace through faith. A little lie here and there, no big deal. Ask Ananias and Sapphira. No, don't ask them because they need to be talking to the dead, okay? But that's an expression, okay? Think about what they would say, okay? They would say, in Revelation 20, wait, one eight, it says, All liars go to the lake of fire. That's scary, man. That's heavy stuff. They died in their sin and their rebellion against God. Their hearts were hardened. They let Satan fill their hearts. I want to die, and I hope you die, and I want to pass filled with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Filled with loving Jesus, Amen. filled with seeking his ways, seeking his face. Amen. Doing things that are righteous and glorifying him, and encouraging my brothers and sisters, amen, and being encouraged in him by them as well. So this is very, very important. In fact, go to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And when you get there, I want you to just go ahead and look at verse 1 to, to begin with. Hebrews 3 1. And he call he's encouraging them, therefore what? Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. That's the key. As holy brethren, brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to consider Jesus. Amen. We need to look to him. We need to watch out that our hearts don't give in to sin. Look at verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 12. Take care of who? Brethren. Take care, brethren that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. He wants us to watch our hearts. Brethren, be concerned. Watch your heart. There not be in any of you an evil heart, an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. He's not talking about falling away from church attendance. He's not talking about falling away from a mere profession. He's talking about falling away from the living God. Serious stuff here. Verse 13. But encourage one another day after day. So long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened. Listen to this. So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you start giving into sin and allowing sin to be rooted in your heart and, and, and you give into lust, and let's say you just, the eye gate, man, you're just consumed with pornography, your heart's going to be hardened. And you'll fall away from the living God. If you give, give in to gossip, you're just a gossiper, trying to cause division among other brothers and sisters. You've got a hardened heart. You need to repent. Amen. If you give way to covetousness, I want this and I want that. How can I? And you get focused on things. You're going to get a hardened heart. Amen? Amen. I mean, it can come in all kinds of different ways. You know, you have to be very, very careful and very, very wise. And I love it because guess what? The way not to be hardened by deceitfulness of sin is to get together in fellowship. Amen. Encourage one another day after day, amen? Here we are, praise God, amen? You're doing the right thing, amen? You're, out, you're, you're saying, hey, I wanna be on the straight and narrow path and I wanna be encouraged in the Lord and go forward in the Lord, amen? amen. That's how you counter it the, because there's, there's a forces at play, spiritual forces. We are in a spiritual war at play aligned against your heart to harden it. You wanna keep it soft before Jesus, amen? And then he goes on to say in verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ. He's talking about our final salvation. The emphasis in Hebrews is our salvation is nearer to us than when we first believe. That's in Romans. But he talks about how there's that emphasis and that final salvation. And we become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. So you continue to watch your heart until the end. The battle's not over. You don't run up to an altar car and say, hey, now I'm free to sin like hell. No, man. You just begun the race at that point. The Bible looks at it as a race. It's not a sprint, amen. It's a marathon, amen. And it's not a marathon We have to do so many good things to get in. You just simply have to trust Jesus, amen. Amen. Look to him in faith. Watch your heart and continue to trust him in faith, amen. And then the evidence and the fruit will flow from that. But the very next verse he says, While it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. It's about the wilderness generation. Many of them were wiped out before they got to the promised land. Well, we're on our way to the promised land. He, was, he draws a line from their experiences when they turned and they murmured against the Lord. They had heart murmurs. They had heart problems, you know. And they complained and whined and turned against the Lord. Boom, he laid them waste in the wilderness. He says, don't harden your hearts like they did. Amen? Amen. Make sure you keep your heart soft before the Lord. Are you with me? Amen. Now, since we're called to love God with everything in our hearts, you might say, man, I'm listening to this message, man, and I feel like sometimes my heart's just so bad. Guess what? Welcome to the human race, okay? Your heart is bad without Jesus, amen? The Lord. All of our hearts are messed up without the Lord, amen? amen? In fact, you cannot have a good or righteous or pure or soft heart outside of Jesus. In fact, the scriptures tell us in Ecclesiastes 7.29, God created man upright. We were created upright, amen? When God created man, he creates for six days, and on the sixth day he creates man, and he pronounces him very good. But then man chooses sin. He has free choice to love God with his whole heart, soul, mind, strength, or not. And he chooses the way of the evil one. His heart's tested in Eden. And then his heart changes. And while we're created in the image of God, it goes on to talk about Adam having children being in his image, and now they're fallen. We have a vestige of the image of God in us as well. We know that because in James three it talks about not cursing men who are created in the image of God. But guess what? We become depraved. From head to toe, we've been affected by sin. Amen. Amen. Everything has been affected. Um, that doesn't mean we've become as sinful as you could possibly be. Well, that means I'm Charles Manson, I'm Adolf Hitler. No, it means you could become like them. But guess what? You're no, nothing like Jesus. After the fall came, you're nothing like you're supposed to be. You still have a conscience to a degree you can sear it. There's elements of the, the, the image of God that are still within the humanity, but they can be, we can sear our consciences, it says, with a hot iron, right? We can have defiled consciences. Our consciences have been affected by sin, okay? Our hearts have been affected by sin. So much so that Ecclesiastes 7.29 says, God created man upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes, Genesis 6, 5, just before the flood, it says, Yahweh, and this is Young's literal translation, Yahweh saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's pretty scary. You know why? That's how it was just before the flood in the days of Noah. Jesus said, the last days will be just like what? The days of Noah again. And we're seeing it in our, before our eyes, amen? Calling good evil and evil good. There'll be haters of the good in the last days, 2 Timothy 3. We're seeing that. And people are championing destroying things and and, and killing people as though it's moral. Everything is getting backwards. Quite crazy. But we need to make sure our hearts stay pure before the word of the Lord. And even after the flood, you know what the Lord says? The Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imagination, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Why do you think we need to discipline our children? Tell teach them the difference between good and evil. Amen. Right and wrong. Because the heart from childhood is evil. In Job, it says the children come forth speaking lies from the womb. It's just strong language to say, hey, there's a sin problem. Amen. And I always tell people, hey, if you don't believe children have a sinful nature, just, just be a nursery worker for one day. Okay? Thieves. Would be murderers at times when their toys is taken away if they could do it, you know. You know. And those of you who work with kids know how they could be. And that's how we were. But guess what? You can put a tuxedo on later. You can put a tuxedo on a pig. It doesn't change the pig's nature. Amen. Amen. We have to have a change of heart. Amen. The Bible says that the heart in Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked who can know it. That's a heavy verse. I'll say it again, Jeremiah 79. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can what? Know it. Now, if it's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, who can know it? No wonder the Lord says above all things, guard your hearts. Catch that? If it's deceitful above all things, no wonder we're called to guard our hearts above all things or with all diligence. Amen? Listen to what Jesus said about the heart, brothers and sisters the sinful fallen unregenerate heart Jesus said in Matthew 7:21 through 23 or Mark 7:21 through 23 for from within Jesus says out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts sexual immorality theft murder adultery coveting wickedness deceit sensuality envy uh, slander pride Foolishness. He goes on to say, All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Did he catch that? They come from within and they what? Defile Defile a person. That sounds very familiar. Out of the heart comes what? The springs of life, the issues of life. Jesus is underscoring that reality. That our hearts defile us. The evil heart defiles who we are as people. Remember another place, Jesus says, Out of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks. Because if you guard the heart and you make it a preeminent, the preeminent thing you do with your life regarding seeking God. And you say, I'm going to guard my heart with all diligence and love God with my whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. And you guard it, you'll be blessed. But if you fail to guard it and you allow it just to be in its fallen state because of who we are as a result of the fall of humanity and humanity's rejection of God from paradise, you'll just be simply corrupted. Now guess what? It's like could be confusing. It's like, wait a minute, the Bible talks about how humans have evil hearts, they're so above all things, desperately wicked, who can know it? Jesus says, out of the heart come all these evil things that defile the man. But then the Bible also talks about having a, a guard in your heart, right? And having a pure heart before God and it talks about walking righteously before him and, and having a heart that's not hardened. How does that happen? You have to make sure you get because everyone every one of us amen every one of us the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God amen Amen. the Bible says there's none righteous no not one the heart's deceitful of all things deathfully wicked who can know it amen we all have a heart problem amen Amen. each and every one of us have a heart problem we need a new heart what happens if you physically have a heart problem that's fatal what do you need to do if you can get a what get a heart transplant. transplant amen Get a heart transplant. Well, guess what? We all have a fallen, sinful heart. I might be getting older. My reflexes are still there by the grace of God, though. Uh, you need a heart transplant spiritually. You need to go get a new heart. In fact, did you know you have a responsibility to make that decision? Listen to what it says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. Okay? Oh, I'm sorry. Ezekiel chapter... 18 verse 31 and 32. Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed. That's repentance. Turning from your sin. And get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. So what we need to do is we need rec- to recognize that we have all kinds of transgressions. We've broken God's moral law. Have you ever told a lie? If you've lied, what does that make you? A liar. You ever take something that belong to you? What's that make you? Thief. A thief. You ever use God's name in vain ever in your life? Blasphemy, Blasphemy. amen. You ever put somebody, something before God? Idolatry. Idolatry. You ever lust after a person that you weren't rightfully to have? What's that make you? Adulter. Adulter. And by, if, we, if we acknowledge the reality of our, our human hearts, we're lying, thieving, adulterous, blasphemous idolaters. Wow. A lot of that's on the Revelation 21.8 list of those who go to the lake of fire. What do we need, man? Can we just change our hearts? The Bible says a leopard can't change its spots. We can't. Those of you are accustomed to doing evil, you can't just change. But wait a minute. He says to get a new heart. He says get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Your responsibility is to recognize you need one, right? And you can't go to a physical doctor or human surgeon to get a new heart spiritually. He's talking about the inner person, who you are in in the innermost beings of where you make your choices, the choices that you choose to make regarding life. He's talking about that part of you. You can't go to a human surgeon to get that done. Senator Rand Paul, the senator just recently said, I'm part of your government, but I'm here to say that your government can't save you. Sure, government plays a vital role in public safety, But Rand says, but government can't make a broken, can't mend a broken soul. Government can't provide salvation. Amen? Amen. And the problem with so many people is they're looking to the government to supply all their needs. And then when you do that, you put the government in first place and they become God to you. They become big brother to you. And because their hearts are deceitful of all things and desperately wicked, you are going to have a wicked taskmaster. There are some government politicians that that seek to do what's right, but overwhelming majority of them Often choose to empower themselves. That's the history of the human race. If you bet on the government, if you bet on mankind to pull you out of the doldrums, that's like betting on that old naggy horse that just tw- got twice raged that never won in the first place. You're never gonna you're never gonna win. You gotta put your, the Bible says, curse is the one who puts his trust in man." You can't go to the government. You can't go to. Can a psychiatrist change your heart? No. Absolutely not. We have to go to the great physician. We have to go to Jesus. Because you have to get a new heart, but you, have, you can't give yourself a new heart. You can, you can recognize you have an evil heart, but you can go to the one who can give it to you. Because Ezekiel, who says, get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit, says later in Ezekiel 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart, quoted the Lord God. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone, that hard heart and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to carefully observe all my ordinances. Amen? That's, like the, that's the new covenant right there that we have in Jesus. You want, you want to know what the new heart looks like? Look at Jesus. Amen. you see me, you've seen the Father. Amen. Amen? When we have Jesus come into our hearts, he lives in us and he becomes our life's essence. Amen? He lives in us and through us. Amen? And, and now... So if you're not a Christian, you have to deal with a heart that's just bent toward evil. You're doing your own thing. You're breaking God's moral law. You're as far from imperfection as you can be. However, if you recognize, wow, I need a new heart. Because the Bible talks about those who walk in the righteousness of the new heart that God's given them. And that's because he can give you a new heart. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation, Behold, old things have passed away. All things have become new. Amen. Amen. It's imperative that we recognize there's a problem within. Oh, yeah, there's all kinds of gates whereby the enemy can get into our hearts. But sin, first and foremost for every human being, resides deep within his own heart already. You ever eat an apple? Anybody ever eat an apple and see a worm in it? Raise your hand. Anybody? A few of you. How'd it taste, bro? Couldn't even tell. Okay. Until you got stomach problems later, right, bro? (laughs) You know what? It's pretty gross, huh? But guess what? You know that worms don't typically burrow into an apple? They burrow out of an apple because they're planted within the apple through the bud of the flower. They're dropped in there, the seed that, you know, the, 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 yeah, it's pretty gross. And then the apple grows around them and they're already within. Our problem, first and foremost, is from within, amen? It's our own hearts. Quit blaming everybody else for your heart decisions, amen. You have to repent of your own sin, amen, and say, I need a new heart. And if you recognize your sinner and admit that reality, it's very clear to God and people who know you deep down that you need Jesus, that you have a heart problem, and you say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. You see, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock, amen. He's at the door of your heart knocking, he says, if any man, and he's talking to a, a church of Laodicea, which is apostate, falling away. He's been kicked out of the church. They're lukewarm. He said, I would that you were hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. He knocks. He wants back in their hearts. Paul said to the church of Galatia you went back to the law of Moses that I labor again that Jesus might be formed within you. He's knocking. You need to let him in so he can give you a new heart. Because as Rand Paul said, Senator Rand Paul, the government can't save you. They can't mend your broken heart or soul. Only Jesus can. He knocks today. Okay, I'm just one watchman. But the Lord has risen up saying, hey, guess what? You need to be a watchman over your own heart. And the first move you need to make if you haven't turned to Jesus yet is to unlock that door and kick Satan out. Let Jesus kick him out, amen. Turn from a life of rebellion against him and ask Jesus to come into your life, amen. The Bible says, as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Amen? Amen. If you receive Jesus, you'll become a child of God. Amen? Paul told Ananias, another one, another, not the same guy we talked about earlier, to call upon the Lord to receive the forgiveness of sins. You see? And Paul said elsewhere, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He said, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, amen, and believe in our what? Hearts that God raised him from the dead we shall be what? Saved. So I want to encourage you right now. You know what? Our services, this has been all wacky since COVID, right? And our services are typically one service from 9.30 to 11.30. That's two hours, okay? Uh, but since COVID, then we're, you know, we're going to get the two-hour service back. But you know what we're doing? Since we're shorting worship out, out, we're, out we're outside now. Worship's a little shorter and so forth. The service are going to be an hour and 45 minutes from now on. This one's ending in an hour and a half. So we're just a little early time for fellowship. Amen. Okay. And sometimes they'll end an hour and a half. We'll just see what happens. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage each and everyone. If you have not turned to the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to make sure. I don't care how protective you've been of your life, like Steve Irwin, you can be so protective. But if you have not had your heart in the right place, right, spiritually, amen, you're going to be Condemned. Jesus said, every idle word will be, a, will be judged on judgment day. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So we need that new heart. We need forgiveness of our sins. We're going to stand before the judge of all the earth. Amen? It's point man once to die, but after this, the judgment. We need to make sure that we are declared righteous now because you can't get right with God later, right? Today, it says the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. You need to make sure you return and you return to the Lord Jesus Christ right now. If you haven't been saved, come to Jesus right now. Say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I need you to do a heart transplant. Give me a new heart. Amen. Come into my heart. Change me. Forgive me. And guess what? He not only forgives us because we're in double trouble. We have two problems. Amen. One is that we're guilty before God because of our sin and we're condemned. Number two, our hearts are evil and they need to be transformed. Guess what? Jesus coming to your heart solves both problems. He cures the double trouble. He forgives you of your sins because he died on the cross in your place. Amen? He paid for your sins. Every one you committed, every evil thought you've acted upon, every temptation that you went for, he paid for that sin on the cross. He, was, he paid your fine. He was buried. He rose again. So he's a bridge to the Father. No one can come to me, he says. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. He's your bridge to the Father because he paid for your sins. So your sins will be forgiven if you come to Jesus. And guess what? Your heart will be changed. Amen? Because the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not only justified, made right with God, but you begin to be sanctified. He begins to make you more and more like him. Amen? Oh, you won't be perfect overnight. In fact, you won't be perfect until Jesus comes. But you'll become more like Jesus as you pursue your life of faith. Amen? Is that the greatest deal ever? Absolutely. So make sure if you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you do it now. Amen? If you wandered away from the faith, you need to come back to Jesus. James chapter 5, 19 and 20 says, Brethren, if any of you turn from the truth and one brings him back, he'll save a soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. Amen. You need to come back and make your, get, get right with God. Amen. If you're caught up in pornography, if you're caught up in hatred, if you're caught up in covetousness, if you're caught up in narcissism and selfism, if you're caught up in just, it's all about me and what I want and what I'm going to get out of life and you're going to live for yourself and not the Lord, you have to repent. Amen. Right now, today, as I speak, where are you at? Well, if you're sitting here in fellowship, seeking the Lord, or you're watching by live stream, you don't watch our live stream. You don't come to our fellowship, typically, if you're not serious about Jesus. But maybe you've been dragged here. Maybe you're watching with someone else. Amen? Maybe it's not your decision, and this is the day of salvation for you. God's appointed a time so you can hear his word and get right with him, amen? I want to encourage you to get right. And for all of us at Blessed Hope Chapel, those listening by live stream, we praise God. We have an awesome live stream audience all over around the world. We've got people watching. We love you guys. Keep pressing on to Jesus. Be diligent to guard your heart with all diligence, amen? Now that you have a heart from Jesus, now that your heart's been changed, amen, now that you're growing in the Lord, you guard it with all diligence. You don't allow the lawlessness and love of many that's growing cold to affect you. You stay under the influence, amen, and under the person, the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen. You continue to look to him, the author and the finisher of your faith, amen. You don't let your your hands drag low, amen. You stay on the straight and narrow. You pursue peace and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. You don't allow bitterness, a root of bitterness to spring up and defile you, amen. You decide in your heart. And guess what? Later this week, you could go through a radical trial and forget everything I just said. But maybe what's happening is the Lord's allowing you to go through that trial. And he had this, well, you preached this message. Now I'm going through this trial because of you, Pastor Joe. No, maybe the Lord knew you were going through this trial next week and he had me preach it just for that reason because he knew you were going to go through it. Oh, I hope it's not me that's going through trial. To rejoice in your trials because God uses them to make you more like Jesus, amen. amen? And trust him that he doesn't allow you to go more, through the, through, more than you handle, but with the temptation or trial, i also give you a way of escape that you may be able to what? To endure it. Let's continue to pursue Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. Let's all stand up and receive the cup and the bread.